0: And then make your way to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. As we continue on in our our study, verse by verse, through this awesome book. This great book, all centered on joy. that's kind of been a theme throughout the letter. And last week, when we picked it up in, in the beginning of chapter 3, Paul was dealing with the reality that there's nothing we can do to contribute to our salvation, right? He brought up issues like circumcision, the law, his own pedigree and credentials, all these things Paul brought forward, said none of these things save you. None of these things can make you more right with God. And that is exactly what oftentimes happens for people is that they think, you know, I'm gonna earn my way to God. I'm gonna live a good life or I'm gonna be a good person and I'm gonna earn my own righteousness. Paul is laying out for us something that is so important that we understand this, that nothing we do in and of ourselves is going to make us more right with God. In fact, Paul even really laid that out so clearly for us in in chapter 3 and in verse 9 when he said, And to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Listen, that's good news for us right there, my friends, isn't it? That none of us are going to be right with God by what we do, but it's been a a free gift given to us. It's through the righteousness of Jesus that he freely gives all those that put their faith and trust in him. Now, those are good things to know, but hearing all of this might actually kind of have a bit of a reverse effect on some people where they begin to think, oh, wonderful, wonderful. So you mean to tell me that the work has all been done so I can just kind of coast along now? Don't you love it when you've gone out and you've done something, the work is done, what do you like to do? You like to sit back and relax and then do nothing, right? Sometimes we can think that about our salvation, the work's done. So I just get to sit back and do nothing and just kind of enjoy my life and do what I want. Now it's true, there's nothing left to do in regards to salvation than to simply put your trust in Jesus. But as Paul is gonna reveal for us in the section that we're gonna look at here today in just a moment, Paul is is gonna reveal for us that our lives in Christ are never meant to just be at a standstill now. Never meant to just be at a standstill. We're not saved to sit and wait for the fullness of our salvation to finally be revealed to us in that day we're with Jesus. We're saved that we might continue on now and be sanctified to where we might become more like Jesus, that we might know him and grow in him. You see, God saves us not just from something, but he saves us into something, and that is relationship with Jesus Christ, by which we get to continue on in and discovering and learning and growing, which is to your blessing and benefit. There's a joy that we have now, not just being saved from our sin, but there's a joy now in being saved into salvation and relationship with Jesus. The Christian life is the grandest kind of life to live. It's a life that's filled with joy and blessing and peace. You see, our salvation ultimately is just a starting line. We like to think of our salvation as, oh man, I've made it, I've arrived. I've gotten saved, hallelujah. Now I'm going to sit back and coast. But salvation is just the starting line in the sense that now we get to enter into this amazing process of growing in Christ, learning of Him, and developing our relationship with Him. Paul likens oftentimes showed Scripture this, this picture of our life in Christ being this race to where we're just continuing on now, looking to achieve the prize and come to the finish line in a sense where in that race man you're just giving it everything but it's in that that you are experiencing all that christ has for us paul loved sports i'm i'm a i'm, I'm thankful for that i'm a bit of a sports junkie myself and and when people kind of maybe go well it's not really what you, i can say it's biblical it's sports biblical paul loved it he uses analogies of sports all the time, right? And we're going to see that in our text this morning here where Paul is liking this Christian life to a race. So understand again, make it clear. Though we're not saved by our works, our salvation should nonetheless be working. What do you mean by that? I mean that this is something now that we get to live out, that we get to experience, that we get to experience this life of being saved In and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this life now is to be one that's like full of action. And we're going to see it. Look at when we read through our text here this morning in Philippians 3, starting in verse 12. Listen for all these action words that Paul is using. Paul says here in verse 12, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not consider myself yet to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He says in verse 15, nevertheless, let us as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Notice all those action words that Paul is saying pressing on and, and forgetting about those things which lie and, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press on. Paul is looking at this life as something that is filled with action, full of movement, you see. We're going to look at a few things as we go through this chapter that kind of help us uh, uh, apply some of these things for us here. Because as we've been going through our study in Philippians, we've been looking at, again, that outline, which is all about joy. And looking at some of the things that might be robbing us, trying to take away that joy from us. In chapter 1, we saw that the secret of joy, in spite of circumstances, is the single mind. For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Chapter 2, we see that the secret of joy in spite of people is the submissive mind, considering others as better than yourself. And now in chapter 3, we're seeing that the secret of joy in spite of things is the spiritual mind. And we've seen here in this chapter, what we're looking at is Paul's past perspective, his present priority, and then his future promise. Today, we're focusing on this present priority, and we're going to see here Paul's dissatisfaction. In verse 12, we're going to see his devotion in verse 13, his determination in verse 14, and then this discipline now in verses 15 to 16. These are things that I think we can easily begin to sort of apply to our lives as we see how Paul is, is pointing these things out in his own life, all right? Let me pray. Lord, thank you again for this time to look at your word, your good word. I pray that it would speak to us and challenge us and, and excite us, Lord, to live these lives in you and for you. And so lead us now by your spirit, we pray in your name. Amen. So look at this dissatisfaction of Paul. Verse 12, he says again, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Now you can read a verse like this and put yourself in a little bit of a tizzy thinking, oh my goodness, if Paul isn't perfected, what hope do I have? Because you look at Paul's life, you look at all the accomplishments and he went through them and in the beginning of chapter three. You look at a life like Paul and you're going, if anybody could claim to kind of have arrived or at least have somewhat of perfection, it would be Paul. And yet Paul is saying, no, 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 no. I haven't made it yet. I have not attained it. I have not perfected. And we're all looking at that going, no, Paul. Man, that means that I have so much more room to grow myself then. I thought I was doing pretty good. I thought I was close to saying, I think I've arrived. But now if you're saying you haven't, Oh my goodness, I certainly haven't myself then. See, Paul is communicating with us that he wasn't saved because he had it all together. He was saved through faith in Christ. He's been clothed now in the righteousness of Christ. And that is what all of us truly have to grasp, that we're not saved because we were good or perfect. God's not looking down on you, saying, "Oh man, you know what? I'm going to pick you. I'm going to save you because, man, you seem like you don't have a lot of drama. You got it all together. You're going to be a little trouble, man. Let's go. You pretty much, you're pretty much there already. It's going to save you. That's not how God works. It's not what God does. I get, I get." It can be very frustrating, and maybe you've experienced that too, when you're sharing the gospel with other people and you're, you're out witnessing and you get people saying, oh man, that all sounds really good and all, but you know what, I, need, I kind of need to get my life together before I really commit myself to Jesus. And they kind of are saying, I need to kind of clean up my act before I, I come to Jesus. And you just want to scream out and tell them, no, your life is a mess because you haven't come to Jesus. You need to come to Jesus because he's going to put things together again. He's the one that's going to clean you up. He's the one that's going to work in you. That's what we saw there in chapter 2, verse 13, that it is God who who works in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Philippians 1, verse 6, where Paul says um, that God is faithful. What he's begun, he will complete it in you. God's doing that work in us. Paul realized that he was still imperfect, but that Jesus has saved him. Our salvation is just the beginning of God and God wants to continue on to have us growing in him and knowing him and learning of him. Like Paul says in, in, in verse 10 of chapter three, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul started, oh man, I wanna know him. And I'm just, I'm just kind of like, Paul, Paul's almost like, I, I'm just scratching the surface here. Do you understand that we will never fully know Christ this side of eternity to the degree that we can? That we just keep scratching the surface here. There is so much to know of him. And, and, and the more that we press in, the more beautiful and awesome he becomes. It, it's where it's something that you just want to keep pressing in and, and, and growing in and learning Him. And the more that you press in just, the sweeter he is. It's like, you know, those of you that used to buy when you're a kid, like those huge, giant jawbreakers. Do you remember those things? Those big, I remember my kids used to love them. My kids would just take years, you know, on those things, right? And you just lick it and you're licking and it just, and, and it just gets, the more you get in them, just the sweeter it gets. And, it, and it, you're just like, man, I've been on this thing for like a year, I barely made a dent in it, but I'm liking it, it just keeps getting sweeter and sweeter, right, it's good. I think, man, that's like Jesus. It's just like, a a terrible analogy. I understand that. It's like, he's not like a jawbreaker. But the idea, the idea, what is the idea? Somebody help me out here with that. No. Better and better. It's just sweeter and sweeter. wasn't, Wasn't there a great hymn like that? Sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. And it's true. He just gets sweeter and sweeter the more that we just press. And that's the idea here. So listen, if Paul is saying, not that I have already attained, then please please don't think that you've already arrived and there's nothing left to be done. Because we're on a great adventure and that's the beauty of, of this Christian life. It is an adventure that we're on. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God and it's such a joy to live for him and in him. And we must recognize that along the way Hey, we're we're gonna make mistakes and we're gonna stumble, but that's expected. We're flawed, we're broken people. Again, God doesn't save you because you got it all together. He saves you knowing that you're flawed and broken and you're gonna make mistakes, but he's the one that's working in you and leading us along. And he's calling us now not just to be saved, but he's calling us to live out this saved life for him and in him. And how do we do that? By pressing on and pressing into Jesus. Like Paul says, we... That we might lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of us. Now, what is that exactly? What did He lay hold of? It's like we can get that in, in that image of like you know a parent grabbing their child by the scruff of the shirt, picking and saying, "I caught you! You shouldn't be doing this!" and taking them over for a timeout. It's like that, is that what Jesus laid hold of us? You know, for to kind of get us out of trouble and just put us off to the side on some kind of you know timeout type thing? That's not the idea. Paul is is revealing to us that God has saved us, not just to kind of put us on a shelf, he saved us that we might enter into this relationship with him. It tells us in Romans 8, verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Right there, my friends, is the reason God has saved you. If anybody asks you, why did God save you? What's the will of the Lord? It's that we might be conformed to the image of His Son, that we might become more like Him. You become more like Him by being with Him, spending time with Him, drawing near to Him, pressing into Him. So if Christ laid hold of us for that purpose, are we then pressing on to lay hold of that as well? Are we continuing to move forward with a desire to be more like Jesus? Is that what we want in our lives? When Spain led the world in the 15th century, their coins reflected this national arrogance that they had that was inscribed with nu plus ultra, which meant nothing further, meaning that Spain was the ultimate in all the world. They're like saying, man, when you've hit Spain, you've seen it all. We're like the end of it all. We're the pinnacle in a sense. But then after the discovery of the new world, they realized that they were not the end of the world. And so they changed the inscription on their coinage to read N or to read plus ultra, meaning more beyond. Which model better expresses your Christian life? Nothing further or more beyond? Are we satisfied with where we are in our walk with God? He has so much for us, He has so much for you. And it's to your blessing and benefit. So let us keep pressing forward. We must have a divine dissatisfaction with the status quo and keep pressing on to all that God has for us. I love how the ESV translates this verse. It says, I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. See, we're not just saved again from something. We're saved into something so wonderful, and that is life in Christ. Are you making this your own? Are you living in Christ and enjoying the blessing I've just been able to walk in communion with Jesus. Think about that. The King of kings and Lord of lords, the one that created the entire universe, has invited you into relationship with him. That's pretty awe-inspiring right there. That's pretty pretty amazing. So this is Paul's dissatisfaction. Man, I haven't yet got there, but I want to keep pressing on. I wanna keep growing in these things. And then we see his devotion here in verse 13. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. See, Paul knew that to keep on track, he needed to look only ahead. Any good runner knows, right? Not to get worried about what's around you or what's happening behind you, but to keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the goal line. And that's what you're striving for. That's what you're running to. You realize that the race is not over until it's over, right? You all know that. Those of you that love to compete in athletics, you know it's not over until it's over. And you keep going with that mentality, like I'm not going to let up. This Oregon State runner had to learn this the hard way. We're going to play a video. I hope we got the sound on back there for the video here. Let's watch this example of that take my word for it there's a moral to this story yeah it looked like a coronation for tanche pepio he's getting the crowd he wants the crowd to cheer his performance and at the end he gets pipped he gets picked by Marin simon of washington and you just can't do this kind of stuff lewis you can and you know you see his face and you know no one has to say anything they don't have to explain it to him he'll never make that mistake again oh what a bummer huh man and you know what that's what it can be like for some people I love the commentary. He's like, hey, he's wanting everybody to get the crowd to to celebrate my achievement here. I've made it. i finished first, right? He's like celebrating before he's actually finished. And there's a lot of people that can kind of live life that way. Like, hey, look at me. I've kind of arrived, man. I've done it all. I've been through it all. I've been been in church all my life. I've read through the Bible like at least two or three times, man. I've pretty much arrived. I've done it all. Let's celebrate my achievements here, right? And you fail to realize, like, man, you haven't even... Reach the finish line yet there's still there's still more there's still a part that we need to keep moving forward in because satan's going to be right there wanting to trip you up he's going to be right there wanting to overtake you and and rob you of that victory how do you be on guard and keep keep pressing into jesus not allowing those things to happen paul didn't let up and you think if anybody could have wouldn't it have been paul I mean, this guy has, has traveled all around the, the then known world and just sharing the gospel. This guy has racked up the miles. I mean, if they had those reward cards for miles put on, this guy would be getting bumped up to first class every trip he was taken, right? This guy's done it all. And, and, and yet Paul says, Man, I have not arrived yet. I've not made it. I want to keep pressing on. He's had a very devoted life to the Lord, and yet he says, I haven't yet apprehended, I haven't yet taken hold of the fullness of Christ. There's still more to learn and grow in and discover. That's Paul's attitude here. And in order to ensure that he attained, check out this devotion. He says, one thing I do. One thing I do. You think of Olympians that, in their quest for gold, right? They, they really have to shift their whole mentality where their whole life becomes about training for that sport and, and their sacrifices to be made. There, there's things that are given up. all to become the best that they can be in that one area of focus. And for Paul, he's recognized that there's nothing more important than knowing Jesus. That was the master passion in his life that kept things in perspective and in priority. How about you? What is that master passion in your life? What is that one thing that gets you up in the morning out of bed to say, man, I can't wait to live this life? What is that one thing that's driving you Keeping you motivated and excited. Could you honestly say that Jesus is at the top of that list? Is he in the top three? You know, Jesus said to Martha when she was complaining about her sister Mary not helping. He says in Luke 10, verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. One thing he says and Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. She said, Mary has chosen that one thing that is going to be most beneficial to her. That is being with me. So Mary's doing sitting at the feet of Jesus, taking in his word. And Martha's worried about all the other things. She's getting distracted by all the other things. Jesus says, and she's chosen the better thing, the good part. One thing is, is needed right now. David had that same kind of mentality and heart. When he writes in in Psalm 27, verse four, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. See, for David, one thing he desired, and that was to be in the house of the Lord, which was equivalent to just being in the presence of the Lord, to behold his beauty. You see, this life, this race that we might be in is not a sense of duty and striving and just giving it your, your best shot. This life that we have where Paul is leading us into, where God has called us now to live this life for him and in relationship with him is so that we might just know him more and see the beauty of who God is. Again, this is not a burden for us. This is not a heavy we're putting on us. This is something I'm saying, man, I want you not to come up short of these things. I want you to experience the beauty of the Lord. It's like when you go on a hike, right? You wanna go on that hike to reach like the summit to where you get the most spectacular view. Sometimes people hit those hikes and they're like, ah, man, you know what, I'm kinda done. Kinda spent, I kinda, and they, they stop halfway. Oh, yeah, good enough. And they miss out on seeing the beauty that's around them. And it's so for us as Christians where sometimes we just get complacent and we just kind of want to settle and say, ah, you know what, done enough. We just want to kind of go along with the crowd and we fail then to see just all that the Lord has for us. This is what Paul is getting at. I want want to know him. I want to know everything about Jesus because he's more beautiful, more awesome than anything else. Look at what Paul said there in the beginning of chapter three. When he looked at all the things that he'd been living for and accomplishing, he said, I put that up next to Jesus and that is a pile of rubbish. Dung, he was calling it. Jesus is infinitely better than anything else we could ever be living for. That's why Paul is having this mentality of I wanna press on, man. I wanna keep going, because he's so good. He's so awesome, so beautiful. So if we're gonna have that kind of devotion, there's a couple of things we need to do here. Having the right perspective, we need to do a couple things. First of all, don't look at past failures. Is that what Paul says here? But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. He says, I'm not gonna let those things you know, be, be regrets in my life any longer. And we can all you know, look back on our lives and look at some of those missed opportunities or, or regrets that we might have. Why didn't I take that job? Why didn't I work harder? Why didn't I apply myself more in school? Why didn't I invest in Bitcoin? Why? And we can have these regrets missed out and, and all these things that can, that can perhaps Impede our progress, hamper our motivation continuing on. But you see, in Christ, we enjoy now his economy. The things that perhaps were once regrets or failures in our lives, the things that may have been dogging us all these years and hurting our growth, they're now covered in Christ. When we come to Jesus, we become a new creation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 17 that old things have passed away, well, all things have become new in other words Paul is saying I no longer need to let those things of yesteryear hold me back and and if again people could have had regrets it could have been Paul like what Paul was doing Paul was persecuting the church the very people that he's now a part of he's like man I used to man I used to take it to you guys he said with, with zeal he persecuted the church He could have had regrets over the mistakes he made. Peter, Mr. Regret, he could have had a lot of things that held him back. Denying Christ three times. I mean, all the things that Peter, Peter invented the phrase dropping the ball, right? Peter dropped the ball often. And yet, these were people that realized I no longer need to let these things hinder me because Jesus has forgiven me and I'm now a new creation in him. What Paul is implying when he says he forgets those things, he's saying he overlooks them. He's given them over to Christ and no longer has to worry about it. That's a healthy attitude to have, isn't it? But not only do we need to forget about our past failures, we should also not be dwelling on our past successes. Because we can also easily begin to rest in the accomplishments of yesteryear and look at those things and say, well, you know, I don't really need to strive and I don't need to keep running this race because look at all these things that I've done. And in fact, we can begin to look at some of those things and go, man, those were, were much better than the things I'm experiencing now to the point where our present can begin to feel a little bit stale when we're dwelling on past successes. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8 to 10 says, the end of a thing is better than its beginning the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit do not hasten in your spirit to be angry for anger rest in the bosom of fools do not say why were the former days better than these for you do not inquire wisely concerning this do you hear that the end of a thing is better than its beginning never more is that true than with the lord do you understand that what we have in the lord now is awesome but the end is going to be far better in other words, it's just going to keep life in Christ. Is just going to keep getting better and better. He saved us. He's done the work. That's awesome. But he says, "Man, I've got so much more for you." And you're going to experience that as you press in, as you grow in me, as you learn in me, as you know me, which I'm inviting you to do. I'm bringing you in, and the end is going to be far better than the beginning. So be careful; that you don't rest on yesteryear's successes and you dwell on those things longingly. Don't live in the past but don't worry about the past. Focus on what lies ahead. Focus on the race today, and that's what Paul says, I'm reaching forward. Again, this this devotion. One thing I do, forgetting, but also reaching forward to what lies ahead. Because the Lord says, man, I've got much for you. It's not done. It's continuing on, we're a work in progress. The Lord says, I have much for you. Keep reaching forward to those things. Then we look in verse 14 at Paul's determination. He says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said he presses on for the prize. And that should be the goal, right? Isn't it? You train and you run to do what? To win. You train and you run to win. Nobody goes through all the trouble they do in training, like getting up at, ungodly hours of the day, right? Like, you know, 8, 9 a.m. to go and train. (laughs) Anybody ever, you know, play a sport or train something where you had to get up like 5 in the morning to go and Anybody? Experience that, some of you, okay, yeah. You know what that's like, right? And training at ungodly hours a day or missing out on hanging out with friends, giving up socializing at night because you gotta get to bed early because you know you gotta redo all this the next day. You're training, that's your focus here. Nobody does all of that to just kind of finish in the middle of the pack. Nobody's doing that to say, oh man, if I can get like a third or fourth place. You don't hear any athlete getting interviewed after their event saying, well, you know what? I'm really pleased with that solid fifth place finish there. That's pretty awesome. I mean, I could have won, but I'm just happy that I I reached my goal of you know not being last. Nobody's saying that, right? The goal is gold. Are we content to run with the pack, to go with the crowd, to be happy, to be in third, so we can at least say I'm better than some? Or do we go all out as to win the prize. Paul alluded to that in in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Now you read a verse like that and you kind of think, oh man, one prize, well, oh man, I better really get going. Can I just say something to you here? We are not in competition with one another, right? We're not running this race and you see somebody else, like another believer, another member of the church, like all of a sudden they're like gaining ground and you're like, what is going on, man? No, this is my prize, I'm gonna, and you start getting the elbows up, you know, you start getting into their lane and trying to trip them up, it's like, no way, I'm getting the prize, man. No, we're not competing with each other. Don't start playing dirty now with one another. We're not competing with one another. There is one prize, but that prize is available to all that are in the race. You get in the race by giving your life to Jesus, being saved. So you're saved, you're in the race. But now the prize, again, is reaching that finish line. Seeing Jesus face to face. The prize, like Paul says here, is that upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here in Paul's mind, the goal and the prize are are virtually synonymous. His goal is this. As Paul alluded to in in Philippians 3.10, His goal is to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And when that goal was attained, then the prize would be achieved. But you see, in Paul's mind, that goal will never be achieved or attained to until he's with Christ face to face. In the meantime, he says, I'm gonna keep pressing. I'm gonna keep knowing Jesus more and more, but I'm never gonna fully know the magnitude and the depth of Christ this side of eternity. John would say that um, when we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him face to face. And all those that um, put their hope in him, I forget how it goes there, but it's in 1 John 2. Uh, Sorry, 1 John 3, verse 2 and 3. Look it up later and correct me after. But the idea is that when we see him, we're gonna be like him. And so we're not gonna attain to that this side of eternity, but we keep reaching, we keep growing those things because we know there's nothing better than being conformed to the image of his son. There's nothing that's gonna bring greater joy and peace and satisfaction in our lives than being shaped into the likeness of his son. So Paul says, I'm not gonna attain to that until I'm with him, and then when I'm with him, face to face, that's the prize. Eternity. I get to dwell with Christ for all of eternity in the glories of heaven, seeing him face to face. God is one day soon going to call us home and it's then that we'll be transformed. It's then that we'll be fully like him. But we don't just sit back now until that day. We should desire to see each day be an opportunity to become more and more like him. And Paul was going all out pressing for that goal of that high calling. Are we pleased or are we pressing? Are we happy with mediocrity or determined to go all the way in and with Christ? Paul would say as he came near the end of his life, he says in 2 Timothy 4, 8, Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing So this is Paul's determination here, pressing on to attain to that prize which he would receive, which we will all receive when we are with Jesus, when we're called home. Whether that's at the rapture of the church, which I'm excited for, I hope will come any day. Sure looks like it, doesn't it? We keep waiting. But as we're waiting, we keep running, pressing in, to have more of Jesus, or whether that day comes when we breathe our last and we move from this life into eternal life. But it's then that we will receive that prize. Run in such a way as to win and to receive the prize. Here's Paul's discipline now, verse 15. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have attained Let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. William Barclay said, All who have come to be mature in the faith and know what Christianity is must recognize the discipline and the effort and the agony of the Christian life. They may perhaps think differently, but if they are truly honest, God will make it plain to them that they must never relax their efforts or lower their standards, but must press towards the goal until the end. Now that might sound like a bit of a fanatical lifestyle, one that you might even disagree with. But Paul said, that's that's the mature mind. The mature mind says, I want to discipline myself. I don't want to let up. I don't want to relax. I want to keep moving forward in all that God is, all that God has for me, that I might know him more and more intimately and personally with each passing day. That's the mature mind. And I love what Paul says. He's confident. He's like, you know what? You might have a different mind. You might think otherwise. But... I'm pretty sure God's gonna make that clear to you. I'm sure God's gonna convict you and say, what's the matter with you, you dummy? This is not the right mind. The mind is saying nah, and you wanna keep moving forward in all that God has. Paul says, "I'm, I'm pretty confident God's gonna make that clear to you if you have a different mind. Paul says the mature mind though is the one that says, yeah, God's got so much for me. I don't wanna let up. I don't wanna settle down. I don't wanna be comfortable. I don't want to walk in mediocrity. I want to keep pushing forward. All to my blessing and benefit and joy. Are we living a life of status quo? Digressing in our laurels? Or are we disciplining ourselves to go beyond that which we have already experienced or learned? We have that privilege of going through the word often. We've, We've attained much. As we take in the word of God. Man, this is to nourish us and strengthen us, but now to be lived out. Are we living up to these things? Does it show? May we keep living those things out and walking in them. As you do, you're going to see yourself more fully laying hold of Jesus and the blessed life we have in him. Paul says a pretty clear example to us in this passage. The example of his desire, his dissatisfaction, his devotion, that determination, and that discipline. And it should cause us to evaluate where we stand today. Are we moving on in our walk with the Lord or standing still in contentment? There was a young police officer who was taking his final exam for the police academy and he read the following question in the exam paper. You are on patrol in the outer city when an explosion occurs in a gas main in a nearby street. On investigation, you find that a large hole has been blown in the footpath, and there is an overturned van nearby. Inside the van, there is a strong smell of alcohol. Both occupants, a man and a woman, are injured. You recognize the woman as the wife of your chief of police, who is at present out of the country. A passing motor stops to offer you assistance, and you realize that he is a man who is wanted for armed robbery. Suddenly, a man runs out of a nearby house shouting that his wife is expecting a baby and that the shock of the explosion has made the birth imminent. Another man is crying for help, having been blown into the adjacent canal by the explosion, and he cannot swim. Describe in a few words what actions you would take. The young man thought for a moment, picked up his pen and wrote, I would take off my uniform and mingle with the crowd. (laughs) That's... Sometimes maybe the response of a lot of Christians when they look at what God is calling us into and go, oh man, I don't know if it's worth it. I kind of just want to blend in. Just be content and just settle into complacency. I think about those two and a half tribes of Israel that were called to go into the promised land. And they said, you know what? We kind of like it on the east side of the Jordan. We kind of feel like this is going to be a good area and we're not ready to enter in to the fullness of what you have for us, God. And they remained on the outskirts. And in so doing, they were the tribes that were most easily picked off, the ones that the enemies came to first. They were vulnerable. They missed out on the fullness of what Jesus had for them, what the Lord had for them. Are we missing out, are we complacent, or are we pressing in to say, God, you got so much for me, and I want to experience all that you have. I want to know you more. That's the blessed life. That's the abundant life that Jesus promises us. Years ago, a group of Englishmen tried to conquer Mount Everest. They pressed on against cold wind, blizzards, and avalanches. When they came within 2,000 feet of the peak, they set up camp. Two men, Mallory and Irvin, eagerly pressed on, expecting to return after about 16 hours. They never came back. The official record simply said, when last seen, they were heading towards the summit. See, whatever the obstacles, let's keep pressing on in the upward call of God, trusting in Him and not ourselves. At life's end, may be said of us, when last seen, they were heading towards the summit. That summit is Jesus. Knowing and experiencing the grander and beauty of our Lord. Listen, this message can have a bit of that keep working, keep trying harder tone to it. That's not the intention, my friends. I want to be clear about that. I want you to know that life in Jesus is given to you freely when you put your trust and faith in him. And now out of love for you, he wants you to experience the fullness of his life. We do ourselves a disservice when we come up short of those things. So this message is an encouragement for you and I hope a motivator to simply pursue the things of Christ. In so doing, you're gonna find the blessing and joy and satisfaction that will be unlike anything else. It's only found in Jesus. Keep pressing in with him, all right? Let's pray. Worship team, would you come? And we're gonna prepare our hearts for communion here today. And I want to ask if you're listening online or you're here with us today and maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus this way. You've never, you've never been told that you can be in relationship with him. Maybe you've been going about it your way where it's been about works. It's been about trying to be a good person, live a good life. I just want to share with you that we can never be a good enough person. We can never do enough things to earn the favor and the righteousness of God. God knows that, that's why he did something about it. He sent his son Jesus to come in this world and die on a cross. In so doing, Jesus paid the penalty for your sins and my sins so that he could forgive you and bring you into the fullness of his life. That is received by grace. It's a free gift. But we're called to do this. We're called to confess our sin and to repent of our sin, to turn away, from the way that we are going and turn his way and say, I wanna receive Jesus now as my Lord and my savior. I want his life to be my life. I wanna know that forgiveness of sins. I wanna be made new. It's the only way you can be saved and be right with God. It's by him making you new. And that is done freely by you simply calling out to him and saying, Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. Forgive me my sin. Come now into my life, not just come into my life, but be my life. I want to live for you, and I want to live in that life you've given me. If you've never done that, would you do that today? Don't put it off. Today's the day of salvation. Today, you can leave here assured that when you die, you're going to be with Jesus for all of eternity. Nothing greater. It's the best gift you'll ever give. be given. Receive that today. If you do, would you let us know? Email us if you're at home, or come and talk to me after the service. I'd love to share more with you. Well, let's pray. Lord, continue that work in us, Lord. We need you and we thank you that you are faithful and you are working in us. And I pray like Paul, we would have that heart that says, now one thing, one thing I wanna do is I wanna forget those things, I wanna reach forward, I wanna press on to lay hold of all that you have laid hold of us for. May we know you and grow in you and learn of you and live this life to the fullness of what you've called us to, to your glory. And living life to your glory means living life to our joy, satisfaction, and peace. May we experience that and know that here today. We pray in your name. Amen. Would you stand? And we're gonna move in a time of communion. And these communion